the Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hi, I'm Ken Crowther and this is the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast via the BBC Sounds app. This week, Dave Gillam is my special guest and we'll be taking your calls on everything from, well, brown patches in the lawn, getting rid of ivy and holly. We've also got some top tips on things you can be getting on within the garden, plus some great advice for next year. And it's about box trees, so listen out for that. Not forgetting, of course, plant of the week. We go straight to your calls. And this week, first up is Joanne from East Tilbury. Hello, Joanne. We're talking roses with yourself, is that right? Yes, we are. I pruned them a little bit, beginning of November. Um, but I think I've left it too late to prune them right down. That's my question, or should I wait till March? It it depends what you believe in. You see, I'm a March pruner, but I top in autumn. What do you do, Dave? What do you suggest? Normally chop them about half, probably a bit harder than the average, but chop them in half so they don't get winter damage and then really end of Feb, early March, Mm. just give them a heart prune. So, Jane, how much have you taken them down by? Not a lot. Well, what's not a lot? (laughs) I mean, okay, give me a height of a rope. Okay, height of them are about three foot. Say, say your rose is um, three foot high. Yeah. What was it before you cut it what down? What was it before foot? you cut it down? Um, about four. All oh, right. Oh no. But, well, I'd do <laughs> them a bit more. <laughs> I would still do it now, wouldn't you? Yeah. Dave? You could probably take them down at least sort of a couple of foot. Um, and okay. then just get if you need to. But it's about not getting winter damage and having too much plant if it gets snow or anything like that and it, it tearing it or stripping any branches off. But, um, yeah, you, you're certainly not too late to do the proper prune, but probably a little bit later than you would normally do the first one. So when you say proper foot uh, prune, how, yeah. how far down can I go? Well, if, if you're pruning regularly, so you're pruning last year's growth, you can go down yeah. as, as hard as you want to restrict the plant so if you go in tops and leave lots of buds and just take tops off you'll get lots and lots of shoots come high up the plant but really you want them coming from low down so you you know you're going down probably if you took this year's growth down uh, 6 to 12 inches that's probably enough okay brilliant Lovely. Thank you very much. All right. Have a and Merry Christmas, us, both of you. Thank you. And come back in the spring and we'll give you even more advice on how to look after your roses then as well. How about the Joanne? Lovely. Thank you. <laughs> All the very best. That's Joanne from East Tilbury. And <clears throat> we've had a text. Don't forget, text is 8133. Start it with the word Essex. And uh, Pat from Canvey has been given... Well, actually, it's quite sad, really. She's been given indoor hyacinths for Christmas present, but actually they've already faded and finished. <laughs> well, they will do, won't they? The they can't cope ones. with the heat, actually, the early ones, can no. they? No, no. we've got them in bud still, but the moment they go indoors, they just romp through and flower, which is nice. That's what yeah. they're there for. It's, it's just a... Actually, of out of interest, because, I mean... It's all right, it's not a phone call, so I can worry about natter, can't I? But um, indoor hyacinths, are they still as popular as they used to be, or have they waned a bit? I think they're, they're waning as a bulb, but they're probably just as popular, if not more popular, as buying them as a budded plant. Pot. Because I think the whole process of of putting it in the dark and 
remembering to do it like I did as a child do you mean yeah, yeah. Um, that, that's just becoming a, a, a bit of an old old thing people don't know how to do it or got a bit like poinsettias yeah it is it's, it's knowing what to do so it's easier and it's so cheap really to go out and buy a pot of three what's a pot of three then oh, about three four pounds depending on you know what time of the year it is and how much is a hyacinth bulb to actually buy then if it was a pre probably about a pound each so you're not it, far off, are it's you? It's not really, no. You get two ninety nine probably for three bulbs. Um, so you're not really far off it, so let mm. someone else do it. I've gone off at a complete tangent, yeah. as I do. <laughs> so what does Patting Canvey do with her indoor hyacinths? Well, once they're flowered, um, just keep watering them and get them outside if you can, and preferably, I would say, plant them. But plant them deeper, because quite often when you get them, the bulbs yeah. are sticking out the, the ground, top of yeah. the compost. So plant them deeper into the ground so you're covering the bulb at least um, and just let them re-acclimatise because they're out of the season so they will carry on growing a bit, die down and should be normal. So you're better off putting them in the ground than you are letting them dry out? I would, yeah, put them in the ground because they will continue to grow a bit, you know, the leaf and the longer that leaf takes to die back into the bulb, the better the bulb will be going into next year. Okay, so in fact... Since it's finished, Get out it in the outside. ground, and then the goodness can come from yeah. the leaf. We go back to the phones, and don't forget the number is 0800 111 That's that number to call. And we're talking to Yvonne from Kelvin. And what are you up to, Yvonne? Well, I spoke to you last week, Ken, yes. about my poinsettia. Uh-huh. I said that the leaves had all drooped. And That's right. Covered. Well, you said, give it some tepid water. Yes. Which I did immediately. And it's worse than ever. It's definitely dead. <laughs> right. Was it tepid or have you boiled it? <laughs> no, you see, what what we were looking at was Tom Cole was in. And yeah. what we're saying is that normally when, they, when they're when over-watered, yeah. they drop. Yes. Yeah. When they so drew, my, they're my... underwatered in theory, aren't they? And the lady well, said she we did thought she hadn't watered it enough. We thought Yvonne hadn't watered it enough. But obviously right. it was watered enough. Yeah. There's nothing you can do with them, is uh, it? It's they seem to droop. We, we get them even in the garden centre, you know, sitting there. Some will just after, droop. Some will just droop, and it, it, at some point they've had a, a, a shock, shock. Yeah. <laughs> and it could be a draft, it could be too much water, a, a dry point. Um, it, it, was a, it was a year old. Yeah, that's what's unusual, yeah, isn't it? It's unusual. So, so I think it's sort of saying to me, it's time to get a new one. Well, we'd have, we'd have told you that in January last year, you see. <laughs> no, aren't we rotten? Well, I mean, to get it that far and for you've, it to you've go... You've done quite it, well, yeah. but it's unusual for them to grow, to to pass, you know, drop away yeah. at this yeah. time of the year, considering you've, you've kept it for, it for a year. Yeah. Well, that's right. And then during the, the winter nights, uh-huh. I've, I've got a very tiny conservatory and I can put it out there in the dark mm-hmm. and rather than put it in the cupboard and it comes back red again. All right. You haven't put it out there recently, have you? No, no, oh. no. No, because it's, it gets cold. So when oh, you no. get, Now, I've come on a, in, Yvonne. What I want, a heater in there. What I want to know now is what are you going to do with your drooping poinsettia? Dustbin. <laughs> Dustbin. Dustbin. Now, when you go out and buy... You're going to buy out and buy another one? Yes. Right, if you go out and buy another one, see it is British. Yes. Have they got flags on them, most of the British ones? Have, yeah. I should look for that. British because they're grown slightly cooler. Yes. And therefore they generally put up with our conditions a, a little bit better. A bit less travelled as well. 
in the sense of yeah. convenience, shutting lorries and things. All right. And yeah. I'm not going to tell you how to look after it, because if you can look after one for a year, I'm not going to even suggest <laughs> you it. telling us. <laughs> right, thank you, Ken. That's all right. That's lovely. Thanks very much indeed. That's Yvonne from Kelverdon. And funny enough, Jan has followed that through, saying her point set here, she's in Pitsy, has dropped all its leaves. <laughs> Is there anything she can do? None. <laughs> Once they've dropped their leaves, Dave, do you, I mean, is it a bin job? You can probably prune them back if you really want to and see if they're going to regrow, because sometimes it is just a shock that they shed, a bit like when citrus trees do it. Drop, they their, drop their leaves, Move yeah. them out in from outdoors or out from indoors, and they shed some leaves, and they often grow back again. But with a poinsettia, they, they are so cheap, and it's not really worth the aggravation in my mind. But citrus, yes, poinsettia, bin. OK, there you go. There's uh, Dave who works in a garden centre. I think he's just trying to get more sales. What do you reckon? <laughs> We've got a few left. Have you got a few left? What's that? Uh, can I, why was it just on that? Mm. Still red, most popular? Yes, yeah. White is creeping in there. The, all these pinks and things like that. Not, not really. Because we had one that was a mottled marble. Marble, yeah. No? It's just virus, isn't it, really? Is it? What do you do with so. it? No, don't bother. Yeah. Not as popular? Red's best. Red's best. Red's best. Um, right, don't forget that uh, we'll, we're here to talk gardening. Yes, 11 till 12 on 0800 111 Text is 8133. Put Essex on the front. And we have an email, ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk. Uh, this is from Graham Warner in Chelmsford. And he wonders if we can help, please. We purchased a very small plant last summer. Of, oh, I didn't read the top bit. Brugmansia, <laughs> which uh, commonly called angels' trumpets. Trumpet. Yeah. Yep. I used to call them uh, just churras in yeah. my day. Yeah, it's changed its name. Yeah. Um, had it outside until the autumn, that's quite right. Put mm -hmm. it in its conservatory, about three foot tall, appears to be thriving. No flowers yet. You wouldn't get them. Light Not levels often. are too low, yeah. aren't they, at this time of year? We have a problem with something enjoying meals on its leaves. <laughs> Yeah, you get aphids on the moon. Aphids or, or even uh, slugs or anything yeah. like that, whatever. And it always surprises me because we always tell people they're poisonous and then things come along and eat yeah. leaves, don't they? <laughs> uh, I discovered a very small green caterpillar yeah. hiding away in the shoots, which I disposed of. However, the leaves are still being shredded to have small holes on them. I've looked in vain for more caterpillars with no success. Can you help? Small holes. It's probably still is. Could be caterpillars. Caterpillar or aphid. Um, or holes... Could no, be, you um, earwigs, the other thing that make little yeah. holes, but they normally only attack buds. It wouldn't um, be any of the, uh, uh, no, I was just trying to think of other things. I'd just spray it with a good insecticide. Yeah. I would go out, if it's indoors, turn the light off. When you go back in there, turn the light on in, at the night and see if you can see them then, because sometimes little moth ones and that come out night time and have They do indeed, don't they? So, in fact, that's something to think of. Um, would you spray yeah, take it outside if you're going to spray it, though. <laughs> Not in your lounge. <laughs> uh, no, it's in conservatory. So take it outside and and spray it with a... You can even should use be. a Bug Clear Ultra, couldn't yeah, you, on it? Any, any of them. But there shouldn't be that many on there. It's, no. It's just no. Uh, see if you can catch them. I hope, Graham, that helps you. And um, there's a good one for you. Uh, keep that Brugmansia or that Angel's Trumpet. It's a lovely plant and they're very vigorous, very hungry. Yes. Loads of food next spring, give it. Plant of the Week. Clematis armandii is an evergreen and interestingly originates from China and northern Burma. It's a pretty vigorous grower, so have a bit of room if you're going to grow one. 
But what's fascinating is it flowers in late winter. Well, I say late winter, it's early, early spring, really. February, March. But as these mild weather seems to continue in years and years, it actually seems to start flowering about Christmas. Its leaves are very leathery. They're about five inches long and they droop a lot and the tips often go brown, which gives it a rather ugly effect. That's the downside. However, the flowers make up for it. They're a lovely creamy white colour and they are so perfumed as you wander past, you know that there's something in your garden to attract you. So they are easy to grow, except they can grow when they're fully grown, 20 foot high. There is a pinky flowered one called Hendersoni rubra, but my favourite is um, something like Snow Child. You've got to plant them on the south-facing or west-facing area, on a wall or up a pergola, and they like moist, well-drained soil, but will put up with any soil. In other words, you can put them in chalk, clay, anything, as long as it's well-drained. You can grow them in pots, but my word, you need a massive pot. So they are. Don't be afraid of growing it. You can keep it controlled. Remember, though, it does flower on last year's wood, so don't prune it at the wrong time. If you want to do one from your mates or your friends and you want to get a new plant for nothing... Layering is the best method, although you can use hardwood cuttings to collect them. It's easy. Just get a bit of the stem, tuck it into the ground, put a bit of compost over it and blow me, you'll have one in about a year's time. Free and for nothing. Clematis armandii. Come on, go out and buy one today. And we go to Linda in Chelmsford. Hello, Linda. Good morning to you both. Um, I've got a potted hydrangea out in the garden and it's always done very well but I noticed yesterday it's got little white things all down the branches they're sort of soft like marshmallowy. Is that a problem? Um, yes, <laughs> is the answer to that. Is it a problem? Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, unusual this time of year actually though that's so late I suppose we haven't really had the cold Scale or woolly aphid? It'll be one or the other probably scale I'd imagine if it's down the stem but um, it'd be scale insect to woolly aphid um, and you, you probably need to spray it. Okay. You can wipe. I mean, you could wipe it. You yeah. said, can you wipe it off? How big's a hydrangea? It's about three feet, I think. It's in quite a big pot. Mm. You can wipe, wipe the worst off, but quite honestly, spraying yeah. will be a lot easier. And what would you use for that, then, um, Dave? Any of the bug clears or um, Resolver. That's quite a good one. But I think I've got some of that. So. Just, just and would you use that now as... Yeah, because it works. They both work as yep. contact killers, so just get it on there. Um, oh. But it it won't be that simple to get rid of. No. Be right, warm. I might have to do it more than once. You probably then. want to do it again. Especially I mean, if the it, rain's going to keep washing it off. <laughs> yeah. Well, it would be contact and done. So, so as long as you get them, but there will be a a life cycle in the sense that there'll be eggs and other stuff coming. It's quite late to be seeing them. They they normally mm, tuck well, up really out I the mean, way and they over might winter. Have been there a couple of weeks, but <laughs> right. You know, with the weather, I've not been out and looked at it. We need to get in your garden a bit more. <laughs> yes, get out there and enjoy the garden. Don't get wet. <laughs> <laughs> OK, thanks for your help. Right, that's that. a pleasure. That's Linda from Chelmsford. And we go back to text. I promise Bill in Basildon. How do I get rid of ivy? Is he's taking over my garden? <sighs> well, dig, cut, cut it spray. Back. Yeah. 
I find if you use um, something like the brushwood killers or stump killers, if you cut it back near the root and then paint it straight onto the cuts, it will go back and start knocking out some of the, the roots of it. We use it for brambles and things like that, cut them down to six inches out of the ground and just paint the cut pretty much neat on the end. And but that will, works. Yeah, it, it certainly gets down into that section of root. I mean, the ivy roots everywhere, doesn't it? Yeah. So you sort of... I never, I never totally understand why it, it's a, people allow it to take over because ivy can be useful. Yeah. It's a useful ground cover. Some people let it grow on walls and hedges and, and treat it as a hedge. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. As long as it's not clambering everywhere you don't yeah, want it to go yeah and all it means is going out there twice a year cutting it back yeah. and chopping it back not letting it wander yeah but, I mean a lot of the panels of the laps yeah, of the fence yeah. and things but it? a lot of fallen trees the problem is ivy isn't yeah. it the you know the, the weight of it up at the top yeah so no don't let it don't let it take over building Basildon but um who did I oh Chris in black black Blackheath Colchester, I suppose. I don't know where Blackheath Colchester is, but I, the only Blackheath I knew was in South London. But anyway, we won't go there. Hello, can you please tell me, is it okay to keep my white Christmas rose plants indoors? I've had them as a present, sprayed them with water and kept them damp, not wet. The what? Hellebores. Is that what? I think, but why would... Why would you keep them indoors? Well, I suppose if if they're flowering in the gift, you might want to oh, put see. them outside or, uh, yes. or the flowers. No, I see what you mean. You outside. could enjoy the flower. You could yeah. cut the flowers <laughs> and <laughs> use them as cut flower. Yeah. No, you could. I wouldn't keep it in for too long, though, because if you soften the plant up because it's indoors yeah. and you go and put it outside, they are very, very hardy, but not if you then have them indoors at 70 degrees for a, a month and then put them back out and it's minus five. That might give them a bit of a shock up the uh, yeah. kilt, but... Just yes, you can do, but don't do it because you're worried that they're going to get affected by the cold, because they're very, very hardy plants and they'd be absolutely fine. If you want to look at them from the, you know, when you're in the house, put them on the windowsill on the outside, and then you can see them through the window. But I wouldn't keep them in for too long. Um, and armchair, I can't. I'm out, <laughs> Mr. Armchair Gardener. Is it Chris, has he got a joke? Well, it just says, I've got a lovely holly in my flat this year, but no berries yet. Willoughby. <laughs> holly Willoughby. <yeah. laughs> Happy Christmas, Ken and the gang. And that's from Chris, the armchair gardener. Thank you, Chris. You, some of your, yes. And uh, no, no, uh, we'll, we only take your number now. We don't take any of this, these other people that keep pretending to be you. It's not good enough, is it, Chris? Thank you very much for keeping us in touch over the, Chris, over the year with your little an antidotes there. Um, Abby in Chigwell has uh, a very old fruit tree in a new house. So she's, she's got a couple. Um, they look, people tell her that it's an, it's an old orchard in excess of 60 years old, but she's got a new house and a new garden. What does she do with them? <laughs> do you want them? Been there. Well, they've often got character, haven't they? If, they yeah. if it's a big enough garden, which it doesn't say... But no. what does she do with them? I mean, an old pear tree, is, it can be really quite sort of characterful, gnarly and so They can actually look really good, can't yeah. they? Quite yeah. structural. And nice when they flower. Pain yeah. when all the pears keep dropping onto the ground. There is that, yeah. <laughs> so, what, I mean, what would you do with them? Would you prune them as you would prune a fruit tree, do you think, or not? Well, I think you, it's up to you with your garden. Because if it's a new house, it's going to be a small garden, quite likely. And will a small garden take 
a two big old tree. Big old trees in there. So you could prune them, go for a rejuvenation, prune and really get out some of the old stuff and give them a chance to, to freshen up and be, be fresh and nice because sometimes when they're old, they only grow a few inches each year on the tips and then you get a lot of bare. So bare what wood. happens if you do cut them all back? Because surely then they spring up and produce loads and loads of new shoots, don't they? They will, but you, at least you can control those and maybe keep it down at a point that you're not trying to climb up a tree every uh, every year to pick fruit and to, to maintain them. So what um, she doesn't say is how big they are, but, I mean, how, how much can you cut off an old tree? I mean, can you be ruthless? Well, I've, I went to town. You're going to say you have now, I went aren't to town you? Yeah. my um, Bramley in the lawn. And, well, they're uh, big growers, yeah. Bramley's are, you see. And I did it, did it at the end of the year, or end of summer, two years ago now, and I think it still had f- uh, leaves on it in about February because yeah. it, it come into growth late year in the season. And it's, it's lovely. It's a lovely head of straight stems, and then I'll probably... This spring, when it flowers, go in there and just prune all those down to where it's, you know, flowering spurs to maintain it because it just gets out of hand. It's a Bramley in a lawn, you know. It's not a big garden, and I think it's better just to hit something hard once. If it didn't come back, I wasn't that worried, but it did. But and So what you're saying is, really, even if it's, say, 12, 14 foot high, you can cut them in half. I mean, not, not the stem, but the branches. Yes. You could cut them in half. Yeah, I mean, I probably took three quarters off. Really? Yeah, up there with a saw and, <laughs> and dropped it down. And it looked a bit strange, but it really did flush up and made a lovely, you know, like a proper crown. Yes, but does that mean you've got to get rid of some of these stems completely? Or are they, because they, they, they grow out the, out the sides they of the stems, They do go all over the they? place. Like water shoots. I allow them to because it made quite a nice nice head, but I will thin it out this spring and, and just sort of get it back to some shape because I must have hundreds of stems up there and not ideal really for, from a fruiting point of view, but a much tidier plant. Right. Um, we're being asked, it's an interesting ask, and I'm quite happy to say that when we mention products, we always mention several products, and therefore we are not naming one product. So I always remember years ago, this was an interesting one, I got told <laughs> off by them upstairs for mentioning Provado a lot. Yes. And I said, well, the problem is there wasn't anything else to get rid of a problem. Because <laughs> yeah. it used to be the only systemic, didn't it? Proper systemic. Proper systemic yeah. insecticide. And it yeah. was the only proper one. It's and I know I got it. told off for that. So we used to say Provado or another systemic. Yeah. But in fact, there weren't any. But now uh, we've gone round in a circle. And yeah. in fact, we've only ended up with two now. And we were mainly There's probably, two or three. Probably three. Provado's changed its name to Provento. Yeah, just is that systemic us. now? It is, but it used to be six weeks, and now it only says two weeks. And so then we've the got... active ingredient has changed, which was the thing about bees um, at the time. And then we've got Bugclear Ultra. Yeah, which, again, is some systemic action, but it's not like like the others used to be. And then we've got Resolver Bug Killer, which, again, is systemic for about a week. Um, but each one has a different active ingredient. So it's actually quite good to have a store of them all, really, because if you keep using the same one time and time again, yeah, quite often they do sort of build up a. So it's good to mix them, mix them up, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I hope that that helps the person who texts me on that, um, and that's why we do it because you'll find that if you go to the average garden centre, tell me, tell me what's in one of those, tell me a chemical that is in one of those things. Couldn't exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, in fact, if I quoted the chemicals on air, yeah. 
people would not know even what to ask for, would they, when no. they came to a garden centre? So in theory, we're not helping people, are we? No, it's got to be, well, it's brands, but it's brands are what we use. Yeah. Brands is multi. So I hope that helps you. It's just um, I like to answer all my, my, my texts, even if <laughs> they are a bit controversial. And, yes, that is a bit controversial, but I've always done it at BBC Essex that way. I've always been OK by the management, so that's why I do it. Um, right, let's go back to a text now. Don't forget that number to call if you'd like to talk to us. 0800 111 Joe from Ilford has a north-facing wall and he wants some climbers up it because he says the brickwork is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we going to suggest? Repoint the brickwork. <laughs> um, well, there's only one that's going to really do a job quickly, effectively. What's that? And that's ivy. Oh, <laughs> ivy, that we've just talked about getting, getting rid, rid of. of. But in that, in certain situations like that, especially if it's a hard, you know, it's, a, it's not the best area in the world to, to try and grow something. Um, and if it's not in a, you know, it's a, it's quite often you sit up the side of garages which aren't actually in your garden, they're just there protecting it, it's no bad thing. It will self-cling, you can, you can trim it. Um, the other one would be a north-facing, something like a climbing hydrangea. But you you have to just support it at first. It will grow roots into the, the brickwork um, and self-cling. Self um, but that will take a north face wall. But they do take a little while to get going. Um, and flowering takes even longer to get a, a proper climbing hydrangea into flower. Um, and there is the evergreen climbing hydrangea, which is Cimanii. Right. Hydrangea Cimanii, which has got a lovely... Big head or an? It's smaller, smallish flowers, smallish flowers, much like Petiolaris, but the leaf is like a, a I suppose, like the evergreen clematis, the right. Mandii, that sort of spear shaped, very leathery, strong leaf. And it's a bit more of a, a rigid plant than, than most climbers, but it's a good evergreen that, again, probably four or five years down the line established will then start to, to flower and will self cling. Um, once it's going, bit, something a bit more interesting, really. Um, Are there any roses? We... There's a few roses that um, we tolerate, but they're ne they never do very well, do they? they? People... something like Albertine's good yeah. for a North Face, but that's more that of a rambler, and it, it just goes bonkers. Or am and... I being rotten saying it gets mildew? He's <laughs> well, inclined to get mildew, it's isn't It's a rose, they all do, don't they? Well, but... that's true. <laughs> <laughs> sort of, it comes with it. But, yeah, you could use some of that. Some of them will take um, North facing. But then you've got it's a bit of it's a bit of effort, isn't it? You've got to prune them, train them, maintain them, and as we say, spray them and, and keep on top of them. So something that you can just plant and forget about, like the the hydrangeas, you'll probably find a, something like a clematis montana or romp around in a in a could, north facing situation, do, it? Um, and get, give you a lovely spring flower or combination of of a few, you know, mix it up a bit. You could do wall shrubs like pyrocanthus and, and face prune them so that. So no, it's just keep cutting anything back that comes forward. Just cut it and it yeah. will. Well, cut it back to a cup, an inch, yeah. and it will side shoot, won't it? Yeah. Cotoniasi, you could do the same. We you can do you? that with that. Yeah. And so um, we were being asked Ophus. by that by Nick, weren't we? He want, <laughs> Nick wanted a, a um, Nick here working here. He said that he wanted a hedge at the bottom of his garden for the birds. For the birds, and we suggested pyrocantha and cotoniaster. Which one would you Cornubia. Cornubia. Yeah. So, so there's a couple of things that you could 
you could use there. And I think, Joe, that hopefully has helped you out to hide a horrible wall. I know what he means, because sometimes walls are blooming awful. I mean, there's some lovely walls about, but my Jew, there are some horrible <laughs> ones as well, aren't there? Yeah. Um, moving on to uh, George from Malensee. George says he's still got some bulbs. What he's not saying is what they are. No. Uh, can he still put them in? Well, I'm going to ask you, you're a garden centre man. Have you got any bulbs still at your garden centre? Very, very few. But, uh, <laughs> um, There's more... a lot around at half price, I notice, as I, <laughs> yeah. in my travels. It's that time of year. Um, I've done it because I'm just as bad as everyone else. When you buy bulbs and you put them in the shed and think, oh, I'm going to plant them soon. And then you go in there sort of just after Christmas and go, oh, there's them bulbs that I was meant to plant. Um, and quite often they're starting to grow and you get the green little noses coming out of them. Plant them, they flower. Quite often with daffodils, if you plant them late, um, they will flower, but they flower short. So you get a bit of a short a stubby. stem, a stubby, stubby flower. Um, but then they just die back down and come back next year in the normal way. Um, I think I have had people say I found a dahlia tuber and things like that, <laughs> that they've got to plant. Can I plant it next year? No, it, it, you can't keep it for two so what do you years. Do, actually, growing. there's an interesting one. Then what do you do with a dahlia if you found it? Throw it away. Pretty much, or try it. You've, oh, you could put it in a pot. You can put it in a pot, but you've got to have somewhere where you can wake it up and grow it frost-free. Where well, it'd be all around the wrong way, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, at least with a, a bulb, you can plant it. It will grow. Um, a friend of mine used to bring import daffodils from uh, New Zealand. Mm -hmm. Well, they used to turn up in July as a bulb. Yeah, <laughs> so you had to get them back into our flowering time. So we'd plant them in July, and they'd grow some leaves, die back down. Second year. They flowered in about, um, must have been about August the second year they flowered. And then the third year they flowered at the right time. So it took three successions. Three years to get through. Yeah, so you might get a little bit of that, but just plant them. Don't don't think I'll plant them next year because they won't be any good. Plant them when you see them and you'll get something from them. Back to your gardening questions in just a little while. But right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, I'll tell you what. That Dave Gillen has got some tips on us. Well, he's got some tips. I don't know whether you're going to do them in the garden yet, are you, Dave? <laughs> no, no, not yet. It's been a year and a really bad year, and we really suffer in this area, particularly in the country, for box moth caterpillar. Yes, I have had the challenge in some of the <laughs> gardens I look at. It is there. And the other thing we have is box blight. But the two often seem to get confused. And we often get people in the gardens that are coming in saying, I've got this and I've done that. And, and people were perhaps reacting a little bit too quickly to yeah. the wrong diagnosis. I mean, really, people, I know people are quick to dig things out, but actually neither of them, you have to dig them out, no. do you? No, I mean, the, the trick is, is remember how the plant got to where it got to. Did it go from the top down or the bottom up? Because if it's top down, either leaves are disappearing, then that's just a caterpillar. You can spray. There are, I found, um, a couple of sprays perhaps used a little bit, not as per packet, but um, used differently, do work and will kill the caterpillars if you can catch them when they're there. And that's the problem. They're there for a short period of time. Yeah, because we got Bug Clear Ultra, haven't we? Yeah. Which is actually systemic, isn't it? Yes. Have we got any more that are systemic? Is there a Westland one? Yeah, the Resolver. But Resolver, Resolver that's it. I find it probably better. More because yeah. it hasn't been used that much. It's not the most common one, so there isn't a resistance and okay. there are different active ingredients inside. So those will work if you can either time it a week or so before the, the attack comes, which 
we don't it's know. It's very difficult. Or at very first sign of attack, you then spray all the bush and then you will kill them on contact and get some residual effect from that as well. What about the moth traps? Do they... They, they seem to work. Uh, I know someone that I've uh, advised to get one and they said within the first week they had 30... Uh, moths in their trap. And that is that the same principle as we use moth traps on fruit trees? For the codling moth and the plums and so on, yeah. So exactly it's attracting... Same. It's attracting the male. So yeah. it's a pheromone trap that attracts the male. The only difference is they are very expensive in comparison to the old sticky traps for the yeah. trees. Um, and you do need to replace it once a year. You don't need... I think, again, people replace things too quickly, mm. but mm. you have to get the, the new pheromone each year. But it will catch them, and it catches the mouse. You're stopping them breeding in the first place. Now, just stay on that. These caterpillars can actually breathe three times in the year, can't they? Yeah. And, and Which is a lot, isn't it? It's quite a quick... And there's a lot of them. <laughs> they don't, yeah. They don't just, it's not one or two. It is like a... Hundreds of a them. Plague. A bit like, I remember as a kid with nasturtians, when the little caterpillars yes. appear. Yeah. Hundreds of them, and they just decimate it overnight, and you think, oops, missed it. So they're there. It's about keeping a really good eye on the damage, and then just don't don't panic. Spray them once they've gone. Get a trap. Worry about the next time. The plant will regrow and come back into leaf. Right now, for your second trip, tip, yeah. we ought to talk about the blight, blight because blight is people get the two things muddled up, don't yes. they? Yeah, I think they, they see some leaves disappear and think it's blight, and Actually see blight and think it's caterpillar. So right. So what are you looking out for with blight then? Blight, it's more from the bottom up or the inside out rather than the outside in. What colour do they go? They go this sort of red and red and brown. So it looks, I always think it looks like they've dried out or a touch of scorch, you know, stress. Or too, mu- or too much water. Or too much water. <laughs> so it's quite hard to, especially in the autumn, you know, at the moment we've had a really wet, Spell and, and box, the evergreens. Box help, how oh, can't oh, stand it, they can hate, it? Hate, hate it. the roots in water. So, yeah, people were seeing this sort of discoloration, this redness coming, and thinking, Oh, I've got blight, and digging them out again. And just give them a chance. <laughs> now, if they've got blight, can they actually come back? Because people tell me that if you feed quite yeah. vigorously with a nitrogen based, you know, like a maxi crop or something like that, yeah. they will come back. Is that true? It's not. Um, Total, fa- total fatality. Well, again, if, if you look after the plants to start with, so they're fed, strong, vigorous, and you catch it quick, you can use fungicide. Uh, I think it's fungus fighter will control um, box blight. blight, but not cure it. It will control it um, and just react well. You can get the plant through it. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. And we go to the phones and talk to Alan in Hatfield. Hello, Alan. Hello, Ken. I've been given a plant called a choice here. I don't know oh. if that rings a bell to you. Yes. Yep. Is, it a, is it a green one or the yellowy one? Well, yeah, it's more of a yellowy one, I think. Oh, so that's sun It's dance. only a small one. It's only about 15 inches high. That's all right. Nothing that's wrong with normal. that. That's normal. And, uh, I don't know... I've had no instructions with it, so I don't know right. if it grows into a big shrub, Have, small right. shrub, or... Right. Have you... You've got a garden, I take it? Yes, yes. And what sort of... So Dave will now go through where what he would suggest for position, and hopefully you've got room in that position to actually put one in. So, Dave, <laughs> where would you put them? Because they like a bit of warmth, They don't like they? a bit of warmth and they like a bit of sun. Um, but at the same time, I've found with a gold one, when you put it in the sun, and it can get sun-scorched in the real... <laughs> so it's, 
it's a bit like someone that likes getting a suntan but gets burnt at the same time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, nice sunny spot. If you can... Not have a, it all day, then? Yeah, if you can get a spot yeah. that it's not getting it quite all mm-hmm. day, all the better. Um, yeah. They're really good at growing in containers as well. If you if you want to keep it in a container yeah. and, and just have it on the patio for a little while or near the house, um, you can I mean, prune does it them. grow particularly big or...? If it's the normal sun dance, then probably... Five foot would be about its max. Its max. Um, our, I've got one that's like that, and we've just sort of set to it probably about April time, uh, and pruned it back by about a third, and it flushes up lovely fresh growth and keeps it keeps it. And, uh, and does it flower at all? Or? White flower, lovely scent. It's, it's common name is Mexican orange blossom, so the, the blossom looks like orange blossom, and it has mm-hmm. a, a lovely scent to it. And the leaf, if you if you rub the leaf. And smell your fingers. It, it will smell citrusy. It's got that sort of smell to it. Yes, yes. Oh. They, they often flower twice a year. In fact, I've seen them in flower at this very moment. Yeah, we've got a yeah. Aztec pearl, the green thin leaf one that's yeah. in flower now, and that's its third time flowering yeah. this year. So they're they're a really nice plant to have oh. in your garden. Now, oh. if you're planting it in the garden, what sort of soil have you got, Alan? Quite dull. Yeah, it's not it's not clay much at all, you know. Oh, that's well, good. It's quite good then. So, any any tips on when you plant you can, it? Uh, I would plant it now if you got it, if you got it. Plant it um, because if it's outside in a small pot, the pot will freeze if you get cold weather. Where if it's in the ground, only the top inch or so will freeze. So it's probably better in the ground if that's where it's gonna gonna live, um, or put it up into a bigger pot, which will give it a bit more protection. Um, but yeah, just mix a bit of compost, bit of if you've got some garden compost or uh, well rotted manure compost or anything like that, just to improve the soil around it, give it a mm-hmm. half a start, plenty of water, uh, which you won't need to worry too much about at the moment, um, and just let it go. They're very easy once that you know once they're in and if they're in a good warm spot, they're they're a fantastic shrub. Yeah, and can I trim it back whenever I want? You know, like uh... yeah. You probably won't need to for for a couple of years because you you won't fluff up, but I tend to do it um, in the spring or sort of August time so you get a bit of growth before we get into the winter. Just to sort of keep the shape and that's on. Yeah. Okay, thanks very much indeed. If you want any more help, you know where to come. Uh, Lovely. Well, Ken, thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. That's Alan from Hatfield. You're listening to BBC Essex with the gardening phone-in. Don't forget 0800 111 um, and email ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk. I've had one from Teresa here and it says, Hello and good morning. I'd like to make a vegetable plot in my garden. I'm a bit slow at reading it because it seems to have gone off the page, which I don't <laughs> totally understand why. I'm a novice and using railway sleepers. Can you give me advice on how to prepare the ground? I have grass at the moment. Can I start directly on top of that by adding topsoil? If so, how much? Any advice would be welcome. I'd like to grow potatoes, carrots, onions, cabbage, etc. I've grown runner beans and potatoes and tomatoes in pots, but would like to be a bit more adventurous. So, would you? So, if she's put the sleepers on top of, say, grass, would yeah. you break that grass? Because it can act as a pan, can't it? it? Can. Sort of hard. I mean. The best soil, and whenever I've moved houses and changed yeah. gardens, which happens quite a lot, <laughs> and I'm trying to grow dahlias, I dig the ground, and it's the, that first year, the ground is perfect because it's had years of just sitting there 
and, and naturalising all the base trace elements, all the feeds, everything's just normal because no one's been messing about with it. Mm. We have, I get hold of it and throw loads of food at it and chemicals and all sorts. So I tend to just always just turn the dig it, but turn it upside down and leave the grass in there. So she's then got to add soil yep. to build it up because it's it's what I don't know nine inches well, high. Obviously. So, yeah. so, so good topsoil, good topsoil, manure compost, but make sure it's well rotted if you're going to grow things like carrots because rich soils will will make carrots split. Um, the potatoes will be fine in anything, but I wouldn't do too much. I mean, if you can just get topsoil, um, and it depends why you're using sleepers because if if you put a sleeper in there's no point having sleepers unless you're going to fill it right up to the top and then you've got an eight inch high bed but um in time unless you, the ground's wet or waterlogged you could just as easy grow it in the ground yeah i would just turn it over dig it dig it properly dig it soon because the winter will the frost and the freezing of the ground will help break that down and come spring you can just fork could be it too over. wet at the moment it might dig. be a bit just soggy. a bit soggy at the moment it could be <laughs> could be but get it done, um, but don't mess about with it too much and leave the grass, you know, all this chipping the grass off and throwing it away. You're no, throwing away valuable, all the valuable natural nutrients that are in that top bit of the, of the soil. When they make John Innings, it's stacked turfs yeah. that they use as a loam for that reason. So don't chop it off and throw it away, which obviously happened to I often. remember as an apprentice, when, no, no, when I was before I was an apprentice, even though I used to work in a... In a and nursery in Chickwell. About then, yeah, yeah. We, 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 yes, we won't go there on that one. Um, but what we used to do, <clears throat> the the company, the company I worked for, the nursery in Chickwell I worked for, they used to do outside work, and mm. they used to dig off turf, and they'd always bring it back. I see what the hell are they digging it? You know, and they used to stack it just yeah. at the back of a plot of ground. Yeah. And then we had, <laughs> we had a Howard rotavator. And a sort of... Howard uh, Gem, was it? Howard Gem, and we used to... It was blocked up, yeah. and we used to chuck this loam. After a year, yeah. chuck this old turf, chop it down, throw it into this, and it would chop it up, and then throw it through this mesh. And I tell you what, it was beautiful. I mean, yeah. fibrous loam that you couldn't buy, could you? No, no. You can't buy fibrous loam like that, can you? No. You can only make it yourself, can't That's you? It. I mean, a lot of the uh, topsoils and things that you can buy now are normally a byproduct. Yeah. So it's a byproduct of, of sugar beet, so it's what's washed off the, the sugar beet roots and so on. And it, it's not the same... It's just ordinary soil. It's just soil, yeah. It's just soil. cleared off, not... the, off of building sites before they build, and yeah. then you end up moving back into a house full of clay because they've took all the topsoil off. <laughs> so, um, our, so Dave's advice is, don't, why, why buy sleepers when you can dig a hole in the ground and use, use your ground? Yeah. But if you want to... Uh, you will need to add some compost yeah. into the soil because chances are the f- soil that you buy, however good quality it is, and do see you buy good quality yeah. soil, as best as you can buy, but it will not be fibrous, will it? No, it won't be as good as what you've got, probably. Um, so if you're going to mix anything to it, just remember if you're mixing organic matter, it will compost down and, and the soil level will slowly move back down to where and it's And you have to add. Again. So you've got to keep adding. So just... I would start from the bottom and work up, and if you keep adding adding to it and you think you need to retain it, then put the sleepers in. So they are. There's some good advice. Uh, now we've had a text from Sylvia in Debden, and she says she's got moss on the lawn, <laughs> and she hears she's got a little note underneath that says that says I keep hearing you say that you wouldn't bother 
with doing anything with moss because it keeps coming back. I am inclined to say that because I don't know what you think, but, um, you know, it does keep coming back, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I know you sell moss killer, yeah. but what do you think, honestly? Because I think we're, we're getting wetter seasons, aren't we? I'd, I'd always look at mossy, mossy lawns as something that you don't try to battle with, you actually try to cure it, and you don't cure it through constantly putting moss killer on it. Because if you're getting moss, the lawn has a problem. It's got poor drainage or it's shady. So just do good lawn care. So aerating, hollow tine aerating, getting some sand and, and drainage into the soil, and you'll probably find that the moss will become less of a problem because you've improved it. You improve it. Keep killing it. You're not improving anything. You're just keep, keep, getting rid of it at that a, moment. It's a bit like wiping a dirty worktop, isn't it? Because yeah. it'll only get dirty again. And just just don't make a mess <laughs> in the first place. So I like that one. Improve improve that what it's growing in, what the grass is growing in. Improve the health of the grass, and then you'll get less moss. We're going to be back to your calls, texts, and emails very shortly. But let's take a final look at some of the top tips that uh, Dave has for us this week and really we've been talking about box hedging topiary yeah. people have lots of it they have it at their front door don't they balls cones twizzles all sorts of things <laughs> don't they Every and shop. lots of box hedging yeah and you see it in it's become even more popular, haven't you? So you see yeah. lots of it in every garden. It's become a modern plant, hasn't it? A because modern... of the simple shape and yeah. simple garden. But it does need a bit of looking after, doesn't it? You can't just plant it and think, well, that's it, leave it, let <laughs> yeah. it get on with it. That'll do it. Especially in pots. I mean, people yeah. plant these in pots and they, they don't think about the feeding and, and watering. It's sort of, well, it's green, it's tough. It's not. You won't see a box flag for water. It will just start losing leaves and, and suddenly it's dead. <laughs> it's gone. So if if they're in, in pots, certainly watering is key through the summer. Um, and I hear people talk about very high nitrogen feeds, but I think that's more of a, a cure than a maintenance. And, and for me, it's and we talked about that as a cure for for the blight. For the blight, yeah. So I think for me, it's it's bloodfish and bones, something like that, that you can just once a month just dust it on the top of the pot. And then while you're watering, that will slowly go in. And I always see sort of liquid feeds as, as stimulant, red balls. You, you, you perk up things. They last for a very short period of time and do little good, really. But something like bloodfish and bone grow more. And a granular fertiliser is a bit more like having steak and chips. Yeah. It'll fill you up and last you for a while. I suppose you have to, with the bloodfish and bone, if you get... If you're sort of plagued by foxes and things, it, it, it can it's be. Not I find if you just dust it on the top it's, and then works, water, it works okay. It will just okay, that's a in. good tip, actually. You don't want to leave it on the top, light and clumps, because it is like dinner time for They do, for they, the come, they come straight round, won't they? They will. They, they will smell it. So, really, it's, it's constant looking after. Yeah. Don't just ignore it and feed no. them once a year. And regular trimming, not when it looks like it's out of hand. And don't trim in the full sunlight. And it try, burns, doesn't it? will it? burn, and normally good practice, once you've trimmed, just to put some water over the plant to cool it down, take the take the sap off the ends of the leaves, and it'll save it from burning or scorching, because, again, you'll think you've probably got blight because you've scorched your hedge. And, again, if you've got hot weather and you use something like a hedge trimmer, because a lot of people, if yeah. they've got a lot of box, will use a hedge trimmer, that will actually damage it a bit more than if you were doing it by hand. Yeah, probably best leave it to the end of the day when it's getting a bit cooler, and get the hose out and just cool it down after. 
Okay, now, if people are digging them out, as you've just said they are, yeah. how do we replace? I mean, you know, what are we going to replace box with if this box continues to be a problem? Well, I think it will continue in, the, in this area because we are absolutely plagued by it. I think we are the, pretty much the worst part of the country for it I now. think we are. Um, but the alternatives, there's some lovely alternatives. There's things like uh, Cocker, which is obviously the Christmas box, yeah. but isn't a box. So that will take regular trimming, evergreen, lovely glossy leaf, and obviously coming up to this time of year, a fantastic scent and smell oh, from the flower. It's gorgeous, isn't it? So Absolutely that, gorgeous. That would be a good one. There's lots of very dwarf Euronymous that you can use that will take regular clipping. And there's Ilex, holly. So the Ilex crenata, which is a, yeah. the small leafed does holly. need a bit more acid, acidity in the soil, doesn't yes, it? Yes, yeah, a little bit more um, specialist. But once it's going... It will take hard pruning if you, if you forget. Um, and again, it's not susceptible to the same things. So there's quite a few. And even, although I don't ever see it as a permanent thing, lavender. Yes. I be, mean, yeah. I mean, I know you think, oh, 10 years, don't yeah. you? But it is a good hedge, it's isn't it? It's a good hedge, clipped regularly. And if it's clipped re- regularly, you don't get the, the browning off in, in the base of it. You might not get it flowering so much because you're, you're trimming it more often than it should be for flowering. But... Is a good alternative, and anything you know, any dwarf evergreen that will take trimming will be a good alternative to box. And we might have to end up using them. <laughs> I think we do. Thanks very much, Dave, for your tips for well, for the coming year. Yeah. Oh well, of course we get a text in now that says uh, that um, Georgia in Stansted says it's all very well talking about moss on lawns but how does she get rid of it on her paving <laughs> <laughs> now it depends because the trouble is depending on which way the sun arrives to the paving you can get more moss or less moss can't yeah. you yeah um well you can with with moss killers you can get an out and out moss killer which what, for paving for paving and it would just kill moss it, it's not got any feeds it's not about lawn care or any, anything else um or you've got the old-fashioned jet wash, just jet wash it off. Quite often, once you get a film and, and dirt and grime into paving, in, especially if it's block paving with sand. Yeah, then you have to re-sand it. You've though. got to re-sand it, but that's a lovely job to do in the winter, isn't it? If, you, if it's ever dry enough to do it. So you can physically do it with jet wash. You can use a moss killer that will kill with the moss, or you can use a lot of these sort of... Was it Petio Magic and Hero, I think... Uh, couple of ones that you can just water over and that will kill but it tends to kill the algae and a bit of lichen but doesn't always kill moss right so you've got to so it's quite difficult yeah it's not an easy one to get rid of no no or you can spend hours with the little old brush there block paving brushes not for me no not for me at all so there are there's some methods on getting rid of moss and now we go back to emails from janet from finchingfield she says i've had a large conifer removed and the stump grown ground out this has left a mixture of wood chips and soil should i remove this and compost it and replace it with new soil and compost any advice will be welcome um, I wouldn't rep- remove it. Depends if, if I'd spread it. Yeah, move it around a bit. Um, quite often, when they've uh, ground a stump out as well, you end up with a, a, a divot, you know, hole in there. Um, so you can then add some good organic matter because anything that's that's had a conifer in it, normally you get this very fine powdery, really 
exhausted soil because the, the conifer has, has used everything it can out of it. So good organic matter, compost, additional soil, use some feed, so put some uh, plenty of bone meal, bluffish and bone or something like that into the ground to add some of the nutrients that, that the conifer would have taken out there. Um, and then think about planting. So if it is got a lot of wood chip and it's open and free draining, plant plants that might enjoy that rather than uh, try to change the condition too much. So they are, that's a, that's a, a good one. So, because it is much better to get it ground out than leave the stumps in, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, you'd be forever dancing around the roots. Well, it's not only that, you can get, you can also, I mean, I know, if you've got a small tree, you can use a stump remover, can't yeah. you? Stump killers yeah. there are, aren't there? But if it's a big tree, it, it will take years, won't yeah. it? I mean, a conifer, as an example, people taking out Lelandi hedges. <laughs> stumps are there for they're years. They're there for after. 20, they could be yeah. there 20 odd years, couldn't they? Yeah, it's just, and they're just getting away, and you can't get on with, with putting something decent and, and changing that area of the garden. So, and they also, remove them. not only that, they can spread, you can get disease. Or you get the fungal Fungal infections. going on it, which can spread. I haven't heard much of honey fungus around this <laughs> neck of the woods. But no, but that's uh, true. But honey fungus it I is mean, a could, problem in Surrey and around there. and uh, It could be creeping this way, which we don't want. Jeremy from Finchingfield says that he has a Christmas cacti. And uh, he doesn't say whether it's new or old. And the buds form and then drop. Do you still <laughs> sell Christmas? Are they, yeah. popular? Are they still popular? They seem to be what's their proper name? Their Christmas cacti are... Uh, can you remember? I can't. T-H... F- Thumber, Thumber, no, that's not Thumbergia. No, that's a, that's a Berberus, yeah. isn't it? Yes. Yeah. It's Thumbergia or something. That, oh, I always forget him, but it's, it's Christmas cactus. Christmas cactus. Or if it's got flowers at Easter time, it's an Easter cactus. Oh, there is that as well, isn't it? <laughs> Are they different colours or the same colour? It's just a way where they grow pink, white, dark pink, and red normally. Um, but if the buds drop off, I would say it's probably getting a bit too much water. Um, they are effectively a succulent. Um, and people get all excited when the buds start coming and, and watering them a lot. But we're in winter, the day lengths are short, the temperatures are pretty low. Um, yep. and, and if you water too much, it will lose a bit of root and normally, as a result, drop flowers off. And not only that, I remember my mum used to have these. And in fact, if you move them around, they also drop, don't they? Yeah. They don't. They're fussy. They're I, fussier than they look, aren't they? My mum's got one, and I yeah. had this conversation with her the other day because she said about Mooch, she's got it, and proudly in flower. Yeah. Well done, mum, you've yeah. got yours in flower. And uh, I was talking to her partner and said about moving it. She said, oh, I can't move it, all the buds fall off. I said, but we sell them, and they've got buds on when we sell them. And when people take them home, they don't all drop, all the buds don't drop off. No. There's no way of not getting it from a garden to, to your own without moving it, is there? No. So it seems to be sometimes, but... Like most things, it's just, you know, be careful. Don't give them any shocks if you are moving it. Don't move it from somewhere hot to somewhere, somewhere cold. cold and vice versa. But, um, yeah, it's a bit hard to buy a plant and not get it home without moving it. Uh, Janet, oh, I don't know whether this is a complaint, Janet, but uh, <laughs> no, it isn't really. Uh, she phoned a couple of weeks ago about brown patches in the lawn. It's just getting worse. Now, it's... Brown patches in lawns, without actually seeing it, is quite difficult to judge what <laughs> it is. Yeah. I mean, you start off saying, oh, have you got a dog? Have you got, you know, yeah. is the cat weighing on it? Or, yeah. 
your foxes because yeah. they will produce brown patches. Then you've got fungal infections as well, haven't yeah. you, that produce brown patch. Fusarium is, is the common yeah. one, isn't it? And red thread. And red thread. And then you've they don't got... go as brown with red thread, <coughs> though, do they? No. And then you've got starting of fairy rings. You know, they've got to start somewhere. It's a it's... bit of a hard one without seeing pictures. Or... And what, what do you... I mean, what, it's difficult to suggest because some of, some of the fungal infections, you can feed your way out of it yeah. because you can't feed at this time of the year, can you? No, I think you can use um, a safe lawn. I think you can use any time of the year because it's generally a natural... It's natural products. So it is, it's an organic type. It's an product. organic lawn feed, so it's got some moss control. Um, it feeds the grass, and so you could use that if you wanted to give something to to perk it up. Um, but really, it's so wet; it could be just the fact that you've got patches that are sitting wetter than others, and the grass and it's is got struggling. and it's got worse yeah. because of that. Yeah, it hasn't got any drier over the last few weeks, has it? So if you can, Janet, <clears throat> try and send us some pictures because that will help. I don't think you sent us pictures. I think you just rang. So if you can, that will be very helpful indeed. And then we can actually, you know, have a, have a, have a serious look at it and, and perhaps give you some more advice. I know we had another one that was a very difficult one. In fact, I showed you some pictures, didn't I? Do you remember that <clears throat> that one with the lawn? Oh, with the front garden. Yeah, that had just gone one side dead. dead and, the other side. and in fact, they sent us in. They gave us some pits, bits of the grass, yeah, and it had right. no hardly any root on it. Yeah. And I said, look for what um, leather jackets. Yeah. But they said they dug no leather jackets. And, I mean, we were completely confused. And yeah. we actually had a piece of the grass and a picture, didn't we? Yeah. And one side of the path was dead. The other side of the was path alive. Was, was fine. And they were laid at the same time yeah. this year, the, earlier this year. Yeah. And you think, why? And there's, there, there was no new top. The topsoil was the same on both yeah. sides. How, how do you answer those questions? Yeah. Sometimes you just can't. It's, it's a fluke, isn't it, sometimes? It's Mother Nature, isn't it, really? And she does some wonderful things, and she also does some strange things as well. Catherine in Leia de la Hayes, uh, Texas, and she says that she has a large garden, uh, an old established very large garden, in the corner, bottom corner. So she's looking, I think, away from the house, mm-hmm. down in the bottom corner. It's fairly boring. She's got a couple of rhododendrons <laughs> and then a, a gap of about three to four metres, pampas at the back, and a bit of viburnum tinus to the right, but a hole. She wants something that will liven it up in the summer and also perhaps give a bit of colour in the winter. I don't think you'll get a shrub that will do both that, but you might be able to plant a group of shrubs that would help. Yeah. So what would you plant in the winter? Because there's not much that gives you high-impact colour in the winter, is there? No, no. Not would, when you're at that distance. I would start with an amelanchia. Oh, amelanchia, yeah. Um, possibly as a tree. So if you if you oh, get give a, it a bit of height, a ballerina, something like that, as a tree, as a standard, because that's going to give you spring flower, and autumn colour. Colour, yeah, will lose its leaves. Um, they're you know and they're good if you're looking down the garden at it. As as colour, summer colour would be something like a ceanothus, which is then going to give you some evergreen and the blue flowers. One of the big spring. upright ones. Well, like Yankee Point or uh, Triven, Triven Blue is one that, again, I've seen grown almost as a tree. So if you want something to get up above those roadies, now if there's roadies in there, then it's ericaceous. It ericaceous must be acid-ish, must not it? So you could have a lovely camellia in there that'll give yeah. you that bit of extra spring colour and evergreen foliage. 
Because um, some of the things that flower, I mean, you've got viburnum bodden tents, I mean, yeah. dawn, but it's not high impact enough to, if you put it at the bottom of a big garden, you won't see it, will you? You want something that's, that's big and bold. So, like the um, Ceanophus, you can't miss one of those in flower. It's just a, a cover, a mass of blue. Hydrangea will um, give you that sort of impact, and at least you'll know there'll be blue flowers because. You've got slightly acidic slightly soil. Slightly acid soil, yeah. Um, so that will give you a bit of summer sort of punch down there. There's loads of things but out there. But winter is difficult, isn't winter, it? Winter, evergreen winter. Well, which... even winter is difficult <laughs> yeah. without doing evergreen, well, isn't it? I think you'd have to go witch hazel, maybe. Would give yes, you that winter Because actually, colour. if you had enough. Which, if you had a bushy witch yeah. hazel, it would give you... And you could use the common the common one. What's the common one? The ordinary one that Hammer, I like. Hammermellis mollis, the ordinary yeah. one. Yeah. And they're not as dear, are they? No. No, and there's cornus uh, Oh, yes, cornus. Well. We've got the flowering cornus. Cornus. And the red, red yellow stems. Well, is that the American cornus you yeah. see we're talking about? Now, they've got an interesting flower, haven't they? Yeah, it's a brack, isn't it, rather oh, than the flower, to be exact. <laughs> Yes, but, yeah. sorry, sorry, it's a brack. But it's what is it? Four, four leaves, four, four leaf bracts, and they're often cream, white, pink, um, and they flower in layers. A bit like, um, oh, that would be a lovely one down oh. there as well. The old uh, wedding cake tree, Cornus controversa vericata, um, if you can say it all. But wedding cake tree <laughs> down there would be a really good addition in that sort of impact area so cornus controversa yeah that does that literally grows yeah. in layers doesn't layers, it and the flowers will just sit up off the branches facing upwards like candles on a cake that, actually that's very underused as a shrub isn't yeah. it and well, that's it because it's long boring when it's small <laughs> yeah. and you put it in the garden center people think Whoa, what's that a long don't, time to get don't there. need that no that's pretty boring <laughs> anyway um that is all we have time for today and uh, don't forget that uh, we're back on the 28th for another um, gardening phone-in. Thank you, Dave, for joining us today. Thank and you. we look forward to seeing you in the new year. And in the meantime, have a good Christmas. I will. You oh, too. no, you better have a new year, good new year as well. Because, yeah, um, I won't be performing. You, won't, you sure? <laughs> no, you won't be. Thank you very much, Dave, for joining us today. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. If you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave... You can download this programme, take it with you on the BBC Sounds app. And don't forget, if you've got a gardening question for us, why not join in and join us Saturday morning at 11. Give us a call on 0800 111 40 41.